Oh, it's not like it used to be. <laughs> G'day and welcome to the Anarchist History of New Zealand podcast. This is the history of New Zealand through a libertarian anarchist lens, specifically that of Rick Giles. Please enjoy the ideas and let me know what you think. In this episode, we will visit 1948 and the rediscovery of the Natornis, aka the Takahe. Before we get into that story, an audio clip from New Zealand's history. The following is a 2017 recording of Geoffrey Palmer being interviewed by Government Radio. Palmer was the second Prime Minister of the Labour 4.0 government. Guyon Espiner for National Radio is told by Palmer that New Zealanders are kept in a state of constitutional ignorance. You say that our current arrangements pose dangers to the peace, order and good government of New Zealand if demagogues take over. Yes, I believe that. Look at what's going on in the United States right now with Trump. If he's not a demagogue, I haven't seen one. And, and so, it's a very fragile system. Until you've had the levers of power at your disposal, you don't realise how fragile democracy is. Why is it so important? Well, because New Zealanders are, on the whole, kept in a state of constitutional ignorance because they don't know they've got a constitution. And the difficulty is they can't find it. It's in so many different places. You cannot locate the New Zealand constitution in one place. It's in some UK statutes, it's in some New Zealand statutes, it's in some prerogative instruments, it's even in standing orders of the Parliament. And the result of that is that nobody knows where to look. We've got 25% uh, of the people in this country were not born here. In Auckland the figure is about 40%. How, and, and the system is built on unwritten conventions, which uh, they said in the 1960s when they examined this question, we don't need a written constitution because we're British, but hello, we don't have that shared so heritage anymore. if we had a modern-day Muldoon? The interviewer seems hell-bent on painting Prime Minister Robert Muldoon as a demagogue, but Palmer's not participating. What's interesting about these 2017 comments is that later in the same year, Labour 6.0 formed a government. At the end of their first term, this government, under Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, created the COVID crisis. Using a series of illegal and unconstitutional acts, the entire country was locked down and ordered about. Involuntary jabs and booster jabs of what the population were told was a vaccine were mandated as compulsory. New Zealanders were also denied the right to return to their own country if they were not at home when the COVID curtain came down. Both participants in this interview would live to see these fears come to the modern day. Yet, these urgent concerns from 2017 were not raised by either man. Instead, they went along with the constitutional damage because, I guess, the demagogue 
wasn't a right-wing man like Trump or Muldoon. It was a left-wing woman. Of Labour 6.0's COVID response, Palmer had the following to say. The public policy response to the COVID-19 crisis has been a great and instructive success, and Jacinda Ardern has proved herself a class above all predecessors. Geoffrey Palmer, Hallelujah New Zealand Government Works, the spin-off, 2020. Oh boy. So what would happen if we had a modern day Muldoon? Uh, What would happen is that he could carry a lot uh, more before him than one would hope. And that is the danger of, of having a constitution where anything goes. I don't blame the New Zealand public for not being concerned about their constitution because they can't find it. And if you don't keep your constitutional machinery in good order and condition, you will find that your democratic rights slowly ebb away. But it is still true, isn't it, that Parliament can pass any law it likes no matter how Yes, it is true, and I'm absolutely opposed to that. Are you still fighting Muldoon, then? No, I don't think it's Muldoon. I'm fighting the system. Espiners trying to make Muldoon the spook. Palmer is not cooperating with this historical rewrite. It is refreshing to hear a politician, even an old one, talking about how you cannot go on spending money you haven't got. That's also something Labour 6.0 did in the early 2020s, using the excuse of a COVID pandemic. They inflated the currency with billions of dollars of printed money and created a huge debt so they could spend money on anything they liked. The public put up with it because they were told it was because of a COVID crisis. Our economy was in the wrecking yard and it was, people have forgotten how desperate it was. Did you think we're in for a roller coaster here at that point. I did. I certainly did. And we knew. I mean, we had massive deficits at that time. I remember Muldoon saying that uh, the public wouldn't understand a deficit if they tripped over on a, on a dark night. But you can't go on spending money you haven't got. Uh, and that's what we were doing. I mean, we had to have some drastic economic action taken and pretty quickly. Uh, that led to what I would call something of a juggernaut, where the economic changes became so great and so many that it was very hard for the public to deal with. Uh, and it was, uh, it was done too fast. Anyway, enough of that. It's time to leave the 1980s and get back to the 1940s. <laughs> Today in history, 20 November 1948, Dr. Geoffrey Orbell set out on a private expedition to find the Natornis, the Takahe, presumed extinct since the year 1898. By finding two of them near Lake Tianau, he proved that they were still very much alive. This same year, some 400 birds were found alive, 
and well and anonymous to we humans. The 1898 bird was captured and killed for the government, expending £250 to get it, and thus incentivising the hit job. That's the modern equivalent to about $20,000 of taxpayer money, according to the Reserve Bank of New Zealand inflation calculator. Quote, It's either a damn big swampy, a pukeko, or it's it, unquote. Whispered Dr. Geoffrey Orbell, as one of New Zealand's greatest wildlife stories emerged from behind a tussock on this day in 1948, the, quote, extinct, unquote, Takahe, alive in the Murchison Mountains. To Papa, Facebook, 2016. Ever since Orbell's find, the state has been in control of the bird and has expended treasure untold on their welfare program. By the early 1980s, the government had killed 75% of the remaining birds, 400 of them. And now, only 40 years later, the population's finally recovered, currently 418. On one recent occasion, the Department of Conservation not only had four Natornis under their protection, shot, but went on to spin the press that it was the fault of a private association. They blamed the Deer Stalkers Association rather than take responsibility. Members from the Deer Stalkers Association have shot four critically endangered Takahi while carrying out a cull of Pukeko on Motatapu Island in the Hauraki Gulf. In 2008, a Takahe was shot on Mana Island, off the coast near Wellington, by a conservation department worker who also mistook it for a Pukeko. Critically endangered Takahi shot in case of mistaken identity. Stuff, 2015. With friends like the government, who needs enemies? It's interesting to note that the state makes their expensive protection program look successful only by publishing their recent data. If they extended the time series a bit, it would show they're not, quote, flying high, unquote, but just breaking even. They refer to this as quote, years of refinement, unquote, but it's dubious that the government, even after all this time, is helping the bird's population recover at all and isn't just running on the spot. It's only in the last decade that Doc really mastered breeding Takahi, though the success is based on years of refinements, 50,000 hectares of the Murkison Mountains were declared off-limits to the public in 1949, a rule still in place today. Takahi, Back from the brink. Stuff. 2018. Today Tarkar here classified as nationally vulnerable, with a population of just over 400 birds. Doc's dedicated Tarkar he recovery program is working hard to grow this number. Doc.government.nz. 2020. Tarkar he may be flightless but their population is flying high with the official count reaching 418 after a record breeding season that produced an estimated 65 juveniles, the Minister of Conservation Eugenie Sage announced today. Tarkar he population flying high. Doc.government.nz. 2019. The Tarkar he population was at 400 before it was reduced to 118 in 1982. South Island Tarkahi, Wiki. In that year, 1948, 
400 birds were found in alpine tussock grassland of the Murkison Mountains and two adjoining ranges. Terra Nature. Dr. Kahi Recovery Program Senior Ranger Glenn Greaves yesterday said interfering with the birds usually caused more harm than good. NZ Herald, 2018. Of course, if we were serious about saving these birds, it wouldn't be up to the government. We would allow free people to farm the birds and eat them. They're reported as being delicious, like chickens. And then they would never, ever be extinct. That's the end of this episode of The Anarchist History of New Zealand. Thanks for listening. Please let me know what you thought and visit the AHNZ website. The next episode will take us to the 1980s and here's a small sample of that show to end this one. One of the most striking things to me about Geoffrey Palmer is that he never had to work per se. Academia rewarded his natural talents and inclinations all the way to the top And when he became High Priest of Tort Law, there was nobody to compete with at his US post, nor anyone in his class back home in New Zealand. Upon his return, he got a safe seat, so never had to campaign to earn a mandate beyond flattering the Prime Minister. While other members of the House of Representatives struggle for years or decades to make it to the executive, Palmer slid right on in the same way he breezed right into the office of Prime Minister without contest or competition. What empathy was possible for this Labour 4.0 politician with suffering? He certainly caused plenty.